This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. 2023 is trudging ahead. Nick, how is this year going for you so far? Have you squeezed at any golf? I know you're supposed to play, what, 30 rounds, is it? 30 rounds. I've got zero rounds, and I did play nine on December 30th. What? Uh, we had like a 59-degree day. I slept wow. out and played nine. Yep. Put the kids in the daycare, had the day off work, went and played nine. Uh, and it actually inspired a couple things I think we're going to talk about a little later. Yes, golf's most breakable rules coming up later in the episode. What a hot title. Now, Nick, I've tried many tactics to get people involved in this survivor pool. Most of them have been aggressive. I'm going to back off, okay? I have extended the entry by a week, mostly because the complications around the Tournament of Champions were too great. And so we are extending the entry. You have until this Wednesday, January 11th, if you DM me on the At The Turn Instagram, on Twitter, if you find me on either of those social media platforms, someone hit me up today and they're like, ah, oh, too late. And I immediately respond. I was like, no, it's not random person. I think his name's Steven. Steven, it's not too late. Please sign up. Which was the I worst want- thing. Steven's been waiting for that message because all you've been saying is don't message me in January. It's saying it's too late. I wish I would have done it. So I think Steven's just trolling you. Steven, thank you for listening. We do really appreciate it. But please send me your email address. I want to get 50 people. At least 50 people have told me that they would sign up. We're nowhere near that number in reality. So (laughs) if you want to be in the survivor pool, it is going to be fun. You're going to regret not doing this. And that's all I'm going to say. Just hit me up on social media, find us, and we'll get you in the pool. And it's going to be a good time. And Ashley's going to win. I'm predicting Ashley is going to be the winner. Yeah, Ashley's bringing some eligibility concerns um, to this, so we can, we can take that offline. But um, yeah, she may have to WD. <laughs> oh, that's not an on the pod conversation. That sounds like a great topic for this episode. I know. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll 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 take it off pod. There will be email reminders sent out to people in case they have, um, you know, other priorities in life, not looking at PGA Tour events. And this isn't just lie. to Ashley. That's I, to everybody. I had a I had a panic moment yesterday because I didn't know what day it was, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, I missed I missed my chance for this pool. Um, and I went and checked my email. I realized it was Wednesday. I still had time. I went. To, I got my email from like office football pool, and it was a message from Joe saying you have another week. And I was like, oh, no big deal, no big deal. And the best part about this survivor pool, I can't stress this enough. If you do forget. The pool automatically assigns you the 10th best player in the field, so you still have a sweat no matter what. So I can't wait for one of my dipshit buddies from college (laughs) who signed up from this, not going to participate at any point, and is going to win. That's how this is going to go. And if you want to be a part of that fun, send me a DM (laughs) on Instagram. Now, Nick, the other piece of business we have to take care of is throughout the month of December, we promoted giving away a beautiful ball marker from Matchstick Golf, promo code TURN20 at checkout. It is a collaboration with Muni Kids, and we had, I believe, a half dozen or so reviews left with a recipe for an Arnold Palmer. Now, if you tune in to next week's episode, we will announce on here who the winner is. The At The Turn prize committee has to meet. There's a little bit of dissension in the ranks. Mm. It's, 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 
it's a shadowy room full of old men smoking cigars, and they can't they can't figure it out at least for another week. So if you tune in, a lot of January, egos in there. Sounds like <laughs> to the January sixteenth episode, we will let you know who wins and how to contact us if you are the winner. But I implore you to still rate and review the podcast. It does help us out a great deal. Bumps us up in that crazy. Apple Podcasts algorithm gets us closer to Joe Rogan, which is what I'm looking for in life. So please rate and review the podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Now, Nick, before we get to golf's most breakable rules, which I know is the thing you are really prepared to talk about, I have to ask, at any point in your life, let me actually let me phrase it this way. Sure. What age were you when you were most into video games throughout the duration of your life? 18, 19 years old. Um, my, my freshman year of college, I was was eighteen years old. Me and Nick Martinick would would uh, another buddy would play um, NCAA football. Oh three, you know the Trojans had a big had a dynasty going on. Yeah, I think the Hurricanes were, were were a force. You know Notre Dame and Michigan always powers. Um, we played it on the on the GameCube. Um, yeah, that's I I was I was pretty good. It's pretty good. And then I I had a run to Dr. Mario in, in middle school. Um I I I swear I was in the wrong era because like I would proclaim I would to be one of the top twenty-five Dr. Mario players in the world. And I still to this day believe it. Like I could beat that game in the hardest settings in a, in a blink of an eye. Um I, I bit, you know, that's neither here nor there. So so I would say to answer your question, 18. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, I would say I was a little bit younger in that um, early N64 time was probably when I was most into it. So mid to late 90s. And the reason I bring this up is because there was a video game that was created in 1998. And the title of that video game is Why Lie Country Club. And that is the site of this week's PGA Tour event, the Sony Open. And you may be asking yourself, Joe, that's so strange. That's one golf course. How can you make a video game out of one golf course? And the answer is you can in 1998. Now, I thought this was a fever dream that I imagined as a young person, but I texted my brother last night. I was like, hey, do you remember Wiley Country Club for 64? And he's like, yeah, what? of course I do. <laughs> I was like, All right, settle down, Bobby. And then I went online to check if the graphics and everything were as bad as I remember. And sure enough, Golf Digest has written an article in recent years titled Wildlife Country Club, the worst golf video game ever created. And I read it and I would encourage you to do a quick YouTube search of the game to see just how bad it is. And what makes it bad is it was made in 1998. The year after that, Mario Golf was created. The first Mario Golf video game, which is an extraordinary game. And the jump in graphics is like going from watching a movie in the 1960s to Avatar. Like the jump is that big from those two <laughs> images. And it's remarkable that Wildlife Country Club exists as a video game. But I would encourage everyone to Google it. I got I to gotta give you a shocking fact about Please. this game. Actually, I have a fact about this game. You probably didn't think I did. Wow. It was me 25 years ago. <laughs> so. Yeah. Is that surprising? Um, I, ha I have one question about it. Is it so bad it's good? Like when like, you 
like like when you come to visit out here in the spring, yeah. like should I should yeah. I cop like a, a sixty four from from the pawn shop for ten dollars and like get this game and plug it in and like yeah, or is it just not worth it? Well, they're available it's so on bad, eBay. It's good. They're they're available on eBay for five dollars. Wildlife Country Club. If you want to buy Mario Golf, it's like forty five dollars. I checked it out last night. <laughs> I don't think that it's so. I think we would probably like. Okay, here's the scenario in which we would enjoy it. It's like. 11 p.m. All the kids have been long asleep. We had a nice day with the four of us, me, you, Ash, and Lace. We're drinking some beers, having a good time. We we hook in the 64 and we play for five minutes. And the first yeah. five minutes would be incredible. Anything beyond that would be a complete waste of time yeah. and no fun whatsoever. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. Okay. So we something to think that. about. Yeah, if that's no. worth a $15 investment. It's it's not. I'm sorry. Folks, that's check cool. out. Check out the Wildlife Country Club video game. According to Golf Digest, the worst golf video game ever the, created. The bar for that statement is so low, though, because like what? Well, I, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but what other golf video games are there? You mentioned the Mario game. There's Tiger Woods. Apparently, there's some new game that's like super hard. It's like as hard as real golf. Um, I, I don't really know, uh, but there can't be that many golf video games where like, oh my god, it's worse than like all 100 of them. I think I think there's an argument to be made because the the console that it's on, the Nintendo 64, you expect it to look a certain way, right? There's sort of a there's sort of a floor of what an N64 game looks and plays like from a graphics perspective. But it has the quality of being a regular Nintendo game on Nintendo 64. Mm. Like it's it's like a two-bit animation. <laughs> it's so difficult to describe, but you have like a power meter that is so janky. And even if the graphics and gameplay was smooth and fun. The reality is you're playing one golf course over <laughs> and over and over again with one character. It's not, there's, the ceiling is so low, it's basically the floor. But yeah. it is it is a memory seared in my brain. I have no idea why I enjoyed this game so much. And back to the point of it's so bad, it's fun. I think it's like, one of those kid shows that you remember fondly from your childhood that you should never watch as an adult because perhaps it's a problematic or B probably just not as good as you remember. You kind of want to leave that nostalgia where it is in your brain. Yeah, that's a good point. Frankly, even seeing that article kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but Nick, that's not why we're here to discuss the worst golf video game ever made. We are here to discuss golf's, most breakable rules. Now, when you sent me this text, I was very excited. Did you have an inspiration for this topic? Yes, I did. I did have an inspiration for this topic. And it's going to be my third and final one because I'm pairing that. I'm marrying it with Nick Rules. So we're, we're going to have to go out on that one. Um, so, uh, so yes, I did have an inspiration, but you're going to have to wait to hear it. Okay. So should I kick it off? We should probably ping pong this, right? Yeah, let's ping pong. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and get started? Okay. Well, I think this is golf's most breakable rule because even in tournament play, I have seen people do this incorrectly. I can't remember when it was, Nick. Keep me honest, but it was a few years ago where the United States Golf Association decided for some reason to change how ball drops are done. No longer do you extend your arm out like a normal person and then drop a golf ball. <laughs> you have to look like a weirdo, like a little creep, and kneel down like you're doing a chair pose, but incorrectly with bad form, and then drop the ball by your knee. 
Do you do you understand the logic behind why they did this? Pre- pretend you're the USGA executive director. Can you tell me why they did this? The logic is fewer redrops, right? If you're dropping from from knee height, you're more likely going to have your first drop stick, and and that's it. So it's basically imaginable to to cut down on pace of play because the rule was. You drop it once. If it doesn't stay within whatever area, you drop it again. If it doesn't stay within whatever area, then you have to then you place it. And so, from going from dropping from, you know, shoulder height to knee height, it's probably going to stay. You're probably going to get it where you want it the first time. I don't know how much time that's really going to save, but I imagine that's the logic. Well, in an effort to make golf even less cool than it is right now, yes. the USGA exercised this. I will say it has the added quality of making me feel as though I should be dropping the ball better than I do because I'm so close to the ground. So when it nestles down into the grass, I feel bad about myself. Like I've executed a poor ball drop. Most of the time I do it, but I'm, I'm really half asked about it. Like, you know, it's not like I'm actually going all the way down to the knee. I feel like if I'm getting a hip or lower, then I'm okay. Yeah. If you just let your arm hang down and drop, I mean, you're, that's like, no, cause look, I'm going to demonstrate for Nick. Yeah. Okay. Please do. Joe is is standing there. His arm is still bent. Well, I can't see his knees. I don't know. He's hunched over. He's doing some weird stuff. Um, he's got a nice putting green in the background. I don't. I don't know what he's doing. He's trying to show me that if his arm hangs down, it's not by his knee. I'm sure. I, I, I cannot confirm or deny what if this is true or not. That wasn't scientific. Uh, you're going to have to test for yourself. You're probably driving your car right now, so you probably can't. Just take our word for it. Look, pull over safely to the side down, of the road. You, you don't have to like full squat to to be. Yeah, I think you're good. Whatever you're doing, Joe, you're, is, is probably fine. Yeah, but I'm still I'm still breaking the rule if I'm not at the knee. Isn't that right? You're the arbiter of rules in this podcast. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> I may or may not be breaking that rule, but that is a very breakable rule. Nick, what's your first one? I, I thought you were getting at like people are still dropping from shoulder height, which I would st- which I probably wouldn't. Oh, I don't give a shit. If I see yeah. someone in a tournament doing that, it's not going to be like, hey, Jake, crouch down. No, I don't care. I saw you. I saw that illegal drop on four over there. I didn't say anything, but no. Um, okay. My first one is probably the vanilla take of the three. Um, oh, are you going ice cream on these? Well, I'm just kind of making a reference. Okay. It's it's not super exciting, and it probably doesn't happen, not even once a year, I would say. But a rule I am totally fine breaking. I will not lose any sleep over if I shoot my 79 and have, have violated this infraction. If I'm on a tee box and there's no good spot to tee it up, like within – the markers or two yards behind the markers, I am totally fine going more than two club lengths behind the markers to find that spot that's level. Sometimes they put them in the course I'm playing now. It's fine course. The The lowest quality piece of turf is the 18 tee boxes. The tee boxes are atrocious. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what they're doing to these tee boxes, which is fine because you don't have to have a great tee box. But sometimes those markers are there. There's no flat land. Or there's just it's just chock full of divots. You just can't get your ball. I don't really care. It's not a strategic thing. It's not saving me strokes. I just need to find a place to tee my ball up. Yeah, um, that that would be the best golf review that we've read so far. If someone put that line in, the worst piece of turf on the property are the 18 tee boxes. That's outstanding. I like this one so much that this was one of my three as well. 
Um, this is this is my second one. There's, am I penalizing myself by standing? To, this is like I can't remember what. Do you remember the NBA player? There was one who stood well back of the free throw line, and it was like a controversy for some reason. I want to say Nick Van Exel, but I don't think it was him. It was a player from that era where he stood. Two like he stood like four feet behind the free throw line and shot free throws, but was very effective. Point being, I don't really see how it's an advantage if I'm right. going farther back on the tee box. The only reason you would do it is for the reason that you're saying, because the tee is so bad that I need somewhere to stand and hit my golf ball. So yes. I'll, I'm going to go with, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say that it's not like I, I wouldn't do it if like, I'm like, oh, it's, Ah, uh, it's a three quarters, you know, nine iron, but right. I could go back and make it a full like that. That's not that's not what we're talking about here. That That is cheating. And you're a cheater if you do that. But if you're just looking for a patch of grass where you can stand, that's like relatively level with your golf ball and get your tee in the ground. That's all we're looking for. How often when you're in a tee box and you have ground that's not level, you will adjust your stance as a result. Like if you're well, I guess for a lefty, it would be you. So uh, this way. If you're if you're like this, do you set up for a draw? Like if like if the ball is above your feet on a tee box, like four inches, do you take that into account, or are you just try to make a normal swing? Dude, I'm so bad at teeing my ball up. I, I don't I don't know why. Like I always Wait pick the worst the worst spot, and it's like not. I, st- I stand I, I stand up to the ball. It's not level, and I move it, and then I move it, and like my feet are, are against the tee markers, and I'm like, what am I? What am I doing here? Can you figure out how to tee up your golf ball, please? When you say when you say you're bad at teeing up a golf ball, do you mean like you're like, like picking the, actual... the spot to put it? Like, okay, no, not like getting the tee into the ground, getting the ball to balance in the tee. I'm I'm good at that part. Okay, it's just like you're crushing. I that feel part. like yeah, and and I think I've seen people like have dreams like this, and maybe it's more that I dream this than in reality. But like you have the dream where you try to tee it up. And then it like falls off the tee and you go back to it and then you like tee it up, but there's like a branch in your way. So you have to like re-tee it. And then like oh. something else happens. Like all these things keep happening that you can't actually hit your shot. Anyways. Um, That's a dream you have. You dream about teeing up your golf ball. Incorrectly. Yeah. We're like, you're standing over your shot, but, but you can't hit it. And like okay, people, so- people are like the group behind you is catching up and the, the people in your group are like, what's going on? But then like you tee it up and like maybe a deer runs by or like, you know, just all these crazy things that like prevent you from actually hitting your shot. It's crazy. This is like the, I don't know if you ever had this, but this seems to be a common one of people. It's like the, I have an exam in college that I haven't studied for. Uh, I'm, I'm going to fail this or I, I go to class and there's a pop quiz that I haven't studied for. That's a reoccurring dream. You're saying this is just sort of a reoccurring dream, some sort of golf humiliation that focuses on the tee box and your ability to mm-hmm. tee up the ball in yeah. a place and for you to look normal. Yes. I've seen I've seen other people like post about it on Twitter too. Like I saw a post and I was like, oh my God, I, I have that dream too. And then there was like a hundred responses like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> like, so wait a minute. Goes out there. Just, I just, just want to make... Eat, sleep, sure. and dream golf. I just want to make sure I understand this correctly. So the idea is like you try to tee it up, and there's and and as you do it, there are things in your way preventing you from either making the shot or executing yeah. what you're trying to you, do. You might accidentally bump the ball off the tee. You tee it up. Oh, you tee it up too far in the back of the tee box, and there's a bush in your backswing for some reason, or and then you move it. It's just like one thing after another. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. But I, I do that, not like all the time, obviously, but like in real life, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh my God, like how 
in the world did I pick this spot to tee my ball up? Like I was never going to hit the ball from here. Look at I'm on a the ball is two feet above my feet. It, whatever it is, it's just it's it's good. Now I, wait I a minute. Some, yeah, are you? How often are you? Like if you're in a if we were in the corner club open, for instance, yeah, and you teed the ball up. Maybe you had a couple beers. You weren't really thinking about it. You sure. stand back. You approach the ball. You're standing over the ball. You're like, oh, shit. There's no way I'm going to hit this good. It's six inches below my feet. Would you pick it up and then yeah. re-tee it and do yes. your whole thing again? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then now, all I can think of, instead of like now being like, yes, now I'm going to hit a good shot. Now all I'm thinking about is like, damn it, Romy is sitting there thinking like, God, Nick, Nick, why can't you figure out where to tee up your ball? And then I'm also still guaranteed to not hit a good shot. Now – <laughs> really, the most important question is, if you've reteed your ball one time and you're still in a bad spot, I think I know you well enough to know you're going to pull the trigger at that I point no matter it. what. <laughs> There's no way There's you can no suffer the There's no chance you're hitting a good shot if you retee it three times. <laughs> it's true. You're sort of doomed at that point. Either yes. you just go with it and hit it bad or you retee it and the pressure is built The pressure so much. is too much to overcome. Ashley... <laughs> You're going to scare Ashley. Well, you're going to wake up at 4 a.m. screaming <laughs> oh, because of your terrible dream. Okay. Wow. Okay. So these are golf's most breakable rules. Yes. That wow. Was, that was something. Maybe the best tangent in the history of this podcast. So because that was my second one, I'm going to do an audible and on the fly, I'm going to come up with one. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. And this is, this is a bit of a, a hot take situation here. Okay. I don't know how much I believe this, but I'm going to try and convince myself as I go. You ready? Okay. No more flag sticks in the holes. Pull them out. We're done. COVID's over. No more. Pull out the flag stick. We can tend the pin again. The ball bounces off the stick too many times. We're done with the flag sticks in the hole. I know this really doesn't follow the premise of what we're talking about, but I needed to come up with something else since we were redundant. I think we're done with the flag sticks. Pull them out of the hole. Two-shot penalty. Bring it back. So okay, this is this is something, Joe. Tell because me. yeah, it's it's pre-COVID. It was written into the rules of golf that you can leave the flag stick in. Is that right? Am I missing the timing on that? Oh, it yeah, was the season was before, 2019, right? The 2019 rules update. Yeah, they said go ahead, be our guest, leave it in if you want. Okay, well, so that was that was pre-COVID, and then and COVID obviously people were like, you know, then it was COVID restrictions, no pulling flag sticks. Now you have the choice. Um, just as you would have pre-COVID anyways. Well, this is new media. People can't admit when they're wrong. So I'm sticking to it and sure, saying sure. that we should take the flag sticks out. I don't like it. I have to say it makes me, I get why it's in there. I'm sure it speeds up play to a certain degree. Um, but I don't think enough anymore. And I think that people get a little too comfortable close to the hole, the flag stick being in. This goes to my whole thought process of no more gimmies. I think when the yes. flag stick is in, you can hit it. It bounces off the flag stick. You say, ah, well, it would have gone in if the flag stick wasn't in. Well, take the variable out of play. Take the flag stick out. I don't want to see him anymore. I like seeing the hole. Makes me feel yeah. like I'm playing real golf. I know I'm out on an island here. You don't have to agree with me. This is my truth. No, no I, I, I agree that on those inside four feet, having the flag stick out makes you take the putt more seriously and you may have a better chance of making it. People do get too casual. Flag sticks in. Eh, I'm just going to whack it that direction. Sure, I would have made it. You know, Bill will give it to me. No big deal. 
Now, do you remember that COVID era where – did you have any courses where the cup was actually outside of the hole where you could just hit the cup and count it? No, we had pool noodles in in the hole. Uh, yeah. So it could, you could see it like drop below the surface and then it would either just stay there or roll back out the other side. The most false confidence I've ever had in the game of golf is when the cup was outside of the hole. And I told my buddies, I was like, I'm going to shoot 66. Like yeah, I, I, Everything's going to hit that. <laughs> Get it on the green. Like, I'm probably going to hit five wood, and it's going to hit that cup. I'm going to make it two every single hole. Um, it barely affected my score. It's almost like they knew what they were doing there. Uh, but, yeah, leave the flag sticks out. I just I just don't want them anymore. We can do it. We've played this way for a long time. Let's restore some tradition. I understand we're trying to modernize the game, make it more inclusive, all these sorts of things. If you're outside of 20 feet, fine. But I think it should be the norm that we take the flag stick out when we're approaching the hole. Okay. I'll, I'll keep that in mind for the uh, upcoming Corner Club Open. Thank you. Thank you. But see, okay. that that is part of the point, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but when one person really wants the flag out and the rest of the group is ambivalent, ambivalent means leave the flag in. You have to really be adamant about wanting the flag out to get it out because the rest of the group is probably not really going to give a shit which is fine. They don't have to give a shit, but you have some flag sticks that they lean a little bit. They're not receptive to balls hitting them. They bounce off. And the person who is the flag stick out person, which I guess I'm now outing myself that's, as you. Yeah, that's that, that. That's me. My flag is in the ground at this point because you have to be the one who is insistent on the situation. And that's what bugs me about it. The most It's like, it should be the norm that we all pull it out inside of five feet, but it's not. So anyway, you don't have to be the, the one making the request 18 times around. I will say this, Joe, much like my T box scenario that I just detailed. If I step up to a putt from like four or five feet and I look up in the flat, it doesn't feel right to me. I'll step off. I'll, I'll, I'll take that bad boy out and I'll, I'll get back and knock that putt in. I love it. You got to feel good about your process. What do I care about these goofballs from Lewiston that were blacked out last night? What do I care what they think about me? I'm trying to win a golf yeah. tournament, for God's sakes. For sure. For sure. All right. What's your number two? My number two, um, you might you might call me a cheater on this one. I think I've said it on this podcast before. Let's hear it. 90, I would say 90% of the time, internal out of bounds. I, I'm not listening to you. I, I'm deaf to that. Um, it's It's just... It's just a rule I, I'm probably not going to follow unless I'm in a tournament situation. Now, can like you explain I, what that is for the people? It's it is. It's actually got a really descriptive name. It's out of bounds. That's within the boundaries of the golf course. So it's out of bounds. It's really not out of bounds. It's just fake out of bounds. So it's like the Vatican City inside of Italy. It's a country with inside of a country. Like out of bounds, very literally, is like the boundaries of the golf course internal out of bounds is the golf course just telling you it's cost you two strokes to hit it here. And so I, I will follow internal out of bounds when there's like a clear strategic advantage to be gained by like, or, or a, a dangerous threat for hitting it to a certain spot. So the example I'll give is Hemlock Ridge, my former great golf course. Um, the last hole was par five. There was a water hundred yards in front of the green um, and if you went left, you you have like, you know, you could, wouldn't have to worry about the water, but you'd have a weird angle. If you went right, same thing. But if you went right, it was like the first tee box, okay? And you don't want to be just blasting like a wild three wood at the, 
at the first tee box, right? So that makes sense. So like that's internal out of bounds that like I would follow. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. However, on the fourth hole, the the third hole is internal out of bounds. And there is no no reason to hit it there, like on purpose. So you're not putting anybody in danger. You're not saving anybody by making that internal out of bounds because nobody's going to hit it there on purpose. And there's no reason for it to be a penalty because you're already like behind a stone wall and like 100 foot trees. So why make it internal out of bounds? There was like four holes on this nine hole course that had an internal out of bounds. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. There's no strategic advantage to hitting it there. Why would I hit it there? You're not putting anybody in danger by not having it be internal out of bounds because nobody's trying to hit it there. I don't think I've ever played a golf course with internal out of bounds. I don't think I've ever seen it. You, you have. You you for sure have. It's on the it's it's in the fine print on the back of the scorecard. It's all over. At least <laughs> at least out here it is. Wait, have have we played a course? To, I know we haven't played that many golf courses together. Just one or two courses, a lot of times. But is there a golf course in the Pacific Northwest that you've played that I may have played that has it? There's one in Spokane that I've never um, played golf in Spokane. You've never played golf in Spokane, so I don't. Really. I, I think it's I think it's Hangman, and oh. um, and I was having a, a pretty decent round. It was like the sixth or seventh hole, late in the front nine, and uh, I was playing obviously with Romy, and I, I hit a a poor drive. Right, it was like onto the next fairway and i'm like no big deal like i'm only like i don't know probably five over par like i got a chance to break at night whatever like it was, it was yeah. a great day and i was like that's out of bounds I'm like what the hell are you talking about and i look at the sign and it's like internal out of bounds like this ferry over here and i'm like that is bs there is no strategic advantage to hitting it there so people aren't in danger by not making it internal ob it's just so stupid if only the only time it's okay to have internal out of bounds is when you're putting people in safety for it being there. Like there's a strategic benefit to playing this way, but it, it's like probably going to cause a lot of concussions in hospital visits. So like it needs to be out of bounds. Other than that, the course is the course it's in bounds. See, I, yes, I, I am in violent agreement with you because I, I'm thinking of three tee shots specifically on Portland courses where the proper play is to hit it in the other fairway for a better angle. There's there's like three par fives that immediately come to mind where as soon as I hit it, if I am if I hit my line properly, I should be yelling four because it should be directly in the next fairway. Yeah. I've never seen this before. I hear it referenced on golf Twitter. I've never seen internal out of bounds. I understand the spirit of the rule, but also it sounds spirit crushing to execute something like this or to have a miss in a place where you assume like you had a hangman Valley where, Oh, I'm just in the other fairway. No big yeah. deal. And then, Oh, sorry, dude, you're hitting Go back the to the tee. Exactly. That's the worst. Did you walk back to the tee? Oh yeah. Oh, and like, didn't make another good swing the rest of the day. I'm sure. <laughs> Lunch tastes terrible. The whole thing was ruined. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, my last one, this is near and dear to my heart. Now, this is this is one that has, um, well, I think probably most groups exercise it in some way or another, but my group has really taken um, to heart. And we have a running joke that my friend Andy, who is the DJ of our foursome, um, he's going to open a, a golf nightclub, and it's going to be called uh, Birdie to Bogey. That's, that's the name of it. And then there's going to be a private room in the back and it's called Triple Max. 
And to get into the private room, you have to produce a scorecard that has triple digits on it. If you shoot 99, you have to wait in line with the plebes. Only people shooting over 100 get into the champagne room of triple max. And triple max is my third breakable rule. Nick, when I'm out there with the boys, I'm on a par five. I blast two out of bounds. I'm done. I'm writing an eight down and we're going to the next tee. Look, I'm not posting that score, okay? I'm talking this is like a beer-soaked round that I never had the intention of posting. We decided we were going to do a two-man scramble against each other. We were going to do some sort of fun game. Or it's devolved so much where I can't legitimately post this round and feel good about it. Not because I'm playing so bad, but because perhaps I've drank so much I can't really remember what has been going on prior to the 15th hole. This doesn't happen often. But when it does, oh, pulling out the triple max, it feels so good. Well, this is a rule of golf. Well, no, it's not a rule of golf. It's a rule of handicapping. And I'm sure you're familiar with the, the net double bogey. Net double bogey, score. yes. Yeah, so you you can post that score, Joe. If you're getting a stroke on that hole, you blast two out of bounds, that is that is a triple max. That's an eight, and that's 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 no big deal. That's, that's within the confines of the game. I understand, but I also don't want to be a little piggy at the trough of being a single handicapper and taking advantage of um, certain things because I'm at a higher skill level than my group. I want us all to come together. Like the 15 handicaps, the 20 handicaps, they can't take advantage of these rules in the same way that I can. And I am, I I am a, I'm a workman's golfer. Okay. I'm a union golfer. I want equity for everybody. Yeah. When that rule came out, I've got two points on here. When that rule came out, I thought that was going to benefit me as a higher handicap more than the previous rule, it doesn't. It punishes no. me more. It's worse. So, yeah, it does. It does suck. Um, so the other day when I when I played this round of golf, uh, I was playing with Ashley, and she was having a, a rough hole. And it was early. I think it was the second hole, and she had whatever putt. It was like her, it was like her third or fourth putt. And it was like two feet, and she's she's standing over the putt, screaming at me like, "What's the max score I can take on this hole? What's the max score?" And I'm like. If you're standing over your putt asking me what the max score is, you've already missed the putt. <laughs> Second of all, this this question is is so complicated to answer because you don't have an established handicap. Also, it's December 30th. We're out of handicap posting season. Also, who gives a shit? It's December 30th. We're two beers deep. We're playing golf. It, it doesn't matter if you make it eight or a nine or a ten. It does, it does not matter. So I'm like trying to process how to explain all that to her. Before she hits her, I just like hit your putt, and that wasn't the answer she wanted. Um, but but yes, you should have um, just said nine. <laughs> I I know if I if I hadn't just made a nine myself, maybe I would have been paying more attention to what her score was. Um, but anyways, I digress. Does Ash uh, keep a number? <laughs> selectively, yeah. Okay, great. Sure. <laughs> Ashley's a sandbagger. No, no, she doesn't. She does not keep a handicap. No, okay. she doesn't keep a handicap. But she'll, if uh, we play together like twice a year, yeah. And if um, if I'm not playing very good, or if, if she like is is feeling a little bit, she'll she'll keep meticulous track of the score. Sure. Um, but if if it's roles are reversed, you know, the score will never be mentioned. No, you're not allowed to speak about it. Probably. Uh, yeah, Lacey got out of her annual round last year, so she's sentenced mm-hmm. to two rounds in 2023. That's her. That's her yeah. punishment for getting out of it. Um. Yeah, great. So triple max. Yes, triple max. Um, I know technically that 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 is legal for me to exercise, but yeah, 
you know, I, I don't know, man. It, it sounds like you don't really want to incriminate yourself too much on, on this podcast, which which is okay. Well, it's not that. It's just that I feel weird picking up my ball and like counting it like a normal round. I understand from yeah. a handicapping perspective, I can do that, but that That's feels true. weird. It feels wrong. Yeah, I think, um, and this this could be. I, I mean, we could we could hash this out right here because. I, I stated on a previous podcast, my goal is to break 80 this year. Okay. There's a decent chance. Like there would be a difference between breaking 80 with my equitable stroke control score and like my PGA tour U S open qualifying score. Whoa. It's, you know, so what are you if, trying if to, it, what, where are you going with this? I'm just saying if it comes down to it, like that I could post a 79, but shoot an 80. Then did you break 80? I, I I would probably say yeah. I'd probably I'd probably say yeah. Would you really? I don't know, man. Nick. I don't know. I mean, I have no, no. That's not. Come on, man. Look, no one wants you to break eighty. Well, you want to break eighty more than I want you to break eighty. That that is for sure. But I really want you to do it. If you were to shoot an eighty, but have an adjusted score of seventy nine. <laughs> What would you put? Uh, how would you? How would you put that scorecard on the fridge? That's my question. Yeah, I mean that's no, that's a, that's a fair point. I mean that's that's a good question. It's, it's a, this is a bridge I have not, I, I haven't envisioned crossing, but now that the topic is you know has come up. I just that's a good that's a good point. No, that's a good point. Uh, oh well, now now I'm gonna have a dream about this. I'm gonna have a dream <laughs> about you shooting eighty and having your but, handicap score be seventy nine. Oh my goodness! Wow. Okay. Triple max. So this is going to take us into your third, which means it is now time for mm-hmm. Nick Rolls. Yeah, you can go ahead and start that theme Match song. Dick Golf. Term 20 at checkout. Theme song. I'm trying to play it. The space bar doesn't seem to be working. Oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. Okay. So this is the rule that inspired this whole this whole segment. I can't wait. Okay. So I, I literally minutes before I went to the course on December 30th, the UPS man dropped off two fresh new wedges for Nikki Ice. Oh, perfect. These are going in the bag. We're going to the course. First hole. First hole, my ball near the first green ends up on a tree root. And it's a perfect, it's a perfect wedge shot. I'm like, well, there is zero chance in hell I'm I'm yeah. I'm hitting a wedge off of a tree root. No um, way. you know, that's that's a little I I didn't warm up. No chips, no putt. Literally never, never held the club before. I, I'm not damaging the first, the first swing. Um, I'm moving that ball a grip length just off of just off of the root. There's there's a lot of rocks buried in New England that are like on the surface of the grass. That they you know they're just there. I'm not playing from that. The rules of golf would have me play by it. Joe Simons would have me play by it. The central. <laughs> Texas Golf Association would not. They oh. would allow me to move this ball. They have, and this is, I don't think this is a real golf association. It says for amateur golfers in the greater Austin area. It sounds like a bunch of guys who drink a beer who made a golf association. It sounds legit to me. <laughs> exposed root rule. The CTGA exposed root rule was approved by member vote to prevent personal injury and or golf club damage from roots that are exposed away from the tree. Now this is, this is exactly right. Like, there's no I'm sorry. reason you, I need to you, be damaging The Central Texas Golf Association is the funniest thing that's ever happened on this podcast. The CDGA says. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. 
Joe, the members approve this by a vote, okay? It's in the bylaws. It's in the bylaws. If the bylaws are not enforced, why have them? <laughs> Call back. But no, I will say, to prevent personal injury or club damage, like there's no reason to like sprain my wrist in my one round a week um, or damage my golf clubs because I had to play off of a route from yeah. 40 yards away. Um, yeah, the, the rule goes on. I think you get it. I don't know if you remember this, but I uh, it, it so dumb at U of I when we were living out there at University of Idaho Golf Course, the um, insane water tower hole. It's a it's a very long and narrow par five with external out of bounds all across <laughs> very the right external. side the right <laughs> side of the hole. Um, and there's a lot of little trees, and my ball was next to a little tree. We're talking the fourth hole of a round that I was probably already like two over in. I pull up my seven iron. It's like, oh, I can get this back in play. I executed the shot. I also snapped my seven iron in half because my follow through hit a tree trunk and <laughs> that thing was destroyed beyond repair. Uh, and ever since then, I've told myself no golf club is worth one stroke. It just isn't. And it sounds like the CTGA agrees. The CTGA wholeheartedly agrees. Can we, can that be the official rule book of this podcast? <laughs> That's the funniest. Yeah, I should look into more of the rules. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the Central Texas Golf Association. Well, that is Nick Rules. Now, I want to get a quick Mad Golfer of the Weekend. Um, it is brought to you by Piper Golf. Tour quality golf balls at amateur prices. Golf Monthly says the Piper Black may be the best golf ball you've never heard of and the best value in its category. Get an even better value using promo code TURN10 at checkout. I'm going to do Carlos R. Del. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. It sounds like I'm drunk. I'm actually just jet lagged, folks. I've had one small glass of white wine, and I came from Europe just a few days ago, so my mind is spacey. Let me try that again. Mad Golfer of the Week is Carlos R. De La Cruz. He says, quote, this is Wildlife Country Club, by the way, the site mm. of this week's PGA Tour event, and also the titular golf course for the worst video game in golf history. Carlos says, quote, don't be surprised if these jerks send their creepy little security guards to threaten to have you arrested for daring to set foot on their precious country club without a membership. Disgraceful way to run a business. Please save your money and get a tea time at Alawai <laughs> Golf Course. <laughs> at Alawai Golf Course, which I love Alawai Golf Course. It's, it, it is great. But Alawai Golf Course in YLI Country Club, Th those two things do not belong in the same sentence. Is Alawai a muni? Alawai is a muni. It's it's the one right near Waikiki. There was like there was like a. a I know what time. that is. Yeah, it it's, the, it's like a the, park course, right? Yeah, it was the most played golf course in the world, like the yeah. most rounds per year at Alawai Golf Course. Like it's just it is just a factory. There's just everybody on Oahu is just playing that golf course every single day. It's worn out. It's great. It's short. It's flat. Great location. Yeah, but it is. It's great. It is. It's not like you're, you woke up on Tuesday morning. Like, should I play Alawai or Waialai? Hmm. <laughs> it's a toss up. Cause they're so similar. Uh, I'm so happy that that is the course. I was hoping that that was the course that it was. Cause that is like the one course that if you spend any time in Waikiki, that you will see it's so, it's so visible. It's it's, it's right there. It, it's like a big park, but it's a golf course with some holes yeah. in it. I'm sure it's a blast. I've never played it before. It, it's it's a golf course. They have a, a driving range there too. That's like 
again, it's like probably the most populated driving range. I've never been to like such a massive driving range where every single time I've been there, every stall is full. You're waiting for like a half hour to get your balls. I'm a lefty. So like crowded driving ranges are, are like, they're tough for me. It's a more nightmares. Game. I might My have God. nightmares about those because like you, when somebody else is behind you, you know, smash and driver, your backswing and their backswing, they, they like intersect. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And so usually I try to either go to the very end or like next to another lefty or have some space because it's very claustrophobic and all I no good. I have to read this other one real quick. I, I do have two. This one's from Alex Z. Ye. Again, we're at Wildlife Country Club. Alex says, quote, shot a wedding here and the venue itself is beautiful. The reason for three stars is the lack of thought for vegan, vegetarian, specialty vendor meals. How hard, <laughs> so sorry. How hard <laughs> is it to make a delicious salad? <laughs> Instead of a triple stack BLT sandwich with slides of avocado, I received a sad-looking poke bowl with quinoa and lentils, two thin slices of avocado, three tiny slices of mango, and three pieces of vegetables. I said and because he literally put eight ends in the word and. <laughs> that is Alex Yee, another mad golfer of the he week. He goes on, Joe. This part is the best part. Did I? Oh, my God. You're right. Excuse me. <clears throat> More from Alex. Quote, we're not rabbits. We need substance. If anything, let me hot the salad bar at your buffet. Super disappointed. I would have kept this to myself, but it just tasted mediocre. If it tasted decent, I would have kept this review to myself. Now, this brings up an interesting question. What's the difference between decent and mediocre? Decent's a little bit higher than mediocre. They're pretty close. Yeah, and... um. I, I, I'm having a hard time like really feeling him because, right. okay, Alex, you're, you're a vegan vegetarian. Um, it sounds like you're a, you're a, um, it's a specialty vendor meals. You're a photographer. You got avocado and mango and, and vegetables, quinoa, um, quinoa, poke lentils. Yeah. That's like only you decide the poke looks sad. Like the poke doesn't look happy or sad. Your sad eyes make it sad. So Alex, maybe you're the sad one here. Alex is projecting on his poke bowl right <laughs> yes. now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, that'll do it for this episode of At the Turn, as this is a audio medium, and speaking is becoming more and more difficult for me as we're going on this podcast. Um, remember, sign up for the Survivor Pool, please. Just. I'm going to do a little begging. If you're still with us at this point in the podcast, this is where I beg you to join the survivor pool. Send me a DM. I want more people in this thing. It's going to be so much fun. Um, Nick, before we go, how do you feel about Jim Harbaugh right now? Uh, I, I just learned, you know, 10 minutes before coming on here that that was, there's a way to feel about him. I feel great. Uh, he's oh. led my Michigan Wolverines to, to two back-to-back playoff appearances, two wins over Ohio state. Um, if if he took another job tomorrow, I would say thank you for your service. I I did see his message saying um, I expect I, anything can happen, but I expect to be coaching Michigan uh, in twenty twenty three. You know that that makes me feel like he might be on his way out. But um, I hope he stays. He's done he's done a great job at Michigan. Um, we have nothing nothing to do to him except for thank him because Michigan was was pretty bleak for a while there. 
For sure. He's done a good job, but like if the Bears offer him like $15 million over, you know, for five years, it'd be tough to say no to that. Uh, anyway, tune in next week. We'll let you know who won the Arnold Palmer ball marker. Enjoy, enjoy your, I guess it's January. I don't know. Do people enjoy January? I think January so. Is, January is like, I, I feel like I'm counting down the days till golf right. season when like de- in December, I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm saying goodbye to the last golf season, and now I'm like looking forward to the next one. Yeah, it's right around the corner. Get out there and play in the winter when you can. Thank you so much for listening. We love you all. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.